This is the Tan Talk Radio Network. Radio advertising is good. Why should you advertise on the Tan Talk Radio Network, AM 1340? Well, it's simple. We are a local radio station with local shows that target our local communities and local listeners. We have a variety of shows that cover a multitude of informative and interesting topics, such as automotive and boating, real estate and finance, health and medical, politics and law, sports and fishing, pet care, and more. Why, we are even home to Imus in the Morning. We also have shows about comedy, food and dining, religion, fashion, local community events and activities and a variety of music. Talk radio provides a listening format that appeals to a large cross-section of people. Whether you are in your car, at work, at home, everyone has a radio. And we are streamed live on the Internet. And past shows are podcasted so you, the listener, can play back your favorite shows over and over again. The possibilities are endless. So that, my listeners, is why you should advertise on the Tan Talk Radio Network, AM Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72 plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Name, Kowalski. Occupation, driver. Transporting a supercharged Dodge Challenger from Denver to San Francisco. Background, Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Former stock and bike racer. Former cop, dishonorably discharged. Now he uses speed to get himself up. To get himself gone. Everybody's after Kowalski. For one reason or another. Is there something I can do for you? Well, like what? Like anything you want. Everybody wants a piece of his hide. Maybe kill somebody. Maybe stole that big dude of his. Maybe both. They want to get him and put him away. But they'll have to catch him first. Ah, let my own ass go! This is yours truly, super duper soul. Directed live transmission from K-O-W. With the round, round, cool, wake up music. Challenger being chased by the blue, blue meanies on wheels, the vicious package squad car by after our lone driver, the super driver of the Golden West. 
The police numbers are getting closer, closer, closer to our soul hero in his soul memory. They're gonna get him, smash him, rip the last American hero. It's the maximum trip at maximum speed. Vanishing point. Okay, we're live, and you're with us here on, uh, what's this, Nostalgic Radio? Radio and Cars. Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, Jake, you owe me a drink now. <laughs> hey, we're, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, run your computers, turn on the uh, Google Tantalk Radio, what is it, Tantalk? Tantalk1340.com. I'm having a problem tonight, you know. You, you, people have no idea what we have to go through sometimes to prepare for the show here, and uh, in the last minute here, we had to get this video, this uh, audio taken care of, and I screwed up. But anyway, Alan's with me tonight. How you doing, Alan? Fine. How are you doing tonight, Robert? Okay. Hey, hey Lee, how you doing? Hey, guys. Lee, right. Lee saved the show here, as usual, because <laughs> <laughs> without his technical abilities, we'd be S-O-L. He had to splice the tape. No, yes. Wait. How come you don't call it classic radio and cars? Don't you think that's a little more... No, classic is overused. People say, oh, I got a classic Granada. No. If so you they're... have a nostalgic Granada, that sounds like a Model T or something. No, no, nostalgic can be nostalgic a Ferrari is, GTO. It's you know, in... Riding yeah. along in my Mary Oldsmobile, like 1907. Well, uh, yeah, but, but nostalgia encompasses the whole thing. It's, yeah, it's sort of a, it's a better term to use, because classic like is way nostalgic overused. Nostalgic radio, the shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we got a great show for you tonight. We got a great guest tonight. Well, right. surprise guest, and we have obviously Alan sitting in with us. And what else we got? Oh, we got some cool music and some cool clips. So, uh, with that having said that, let's roll them. First song.
listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. All right, we're live, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, let's see. What do we got going on tonight? Oh, yeah, Naughty Nancy's. Do you want to go ahead and take the honors there and talk about Naughty Nancy's? Open mic night. Where? Because you're better at it than I am. Yeah, (laughs) Naughty Nancy's. She's on the Pinellas Trail, quarter mile north of Drew Street. Phone number? Uh, I, I, I have no idea. I just go over there. I it's seven two seven four four six thirty seven seventeen. That's four four six thirty seven seventeen. Now, what was she voted the other day? Yeah, she, okay. The best hamburger, and she was in the top six for the for the Tri County area. Yeah, she came in just behind. What was yeah. that place down there? Uh, I don't remember. I read uh, it last week. Um, it I wasn't know. about cars. So I don't retain about, it. I don't retain it. But uh, yeah. it was that place down there in St. Pete that has uh, really oh, yeah. good hamburgers. Chatterbox or something Chatter, like that. Chatter something, brother. Yeah, yeah. Chatterways. 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 Okay, Chatterways. close okay. enough. Yeah. Speaking of Chatterways, we're just chatting away, aren't we? Yeah, not har, saying har. anything. Yeah. <laughs> not saying, not yeah. making it. Okay, yeah. hey, yeah, and let's say a big hello to our friends over there at Sunshine Drag Strip. That would be uh, Hazley Hood, and we got Sherry out there, and of course we got Mike running the concession. So if you're out there at Sunshine Drag Strip, it's, uh, it's uh, testing tonight. And, uh, hey, let's see. You know, we want to cut this short because we want to bring our guest on. Go ahead and give our guest a call. Get him on the air. Let's go ahead and play this next uh, um, clip. Have to queue it up first. Okay. Cool beans. So, anyway. Hey, Alan, what have you been doing lately? What have you been working on? How's the Volvo coming? Yeah, just fine. It's warm out. Let's say that. It's warm out. <laughs> I look at the car and I sweat. How are you doing on the bug eyes? the bug eye coming along? Uh, coming along. I uh, got to order some hydraulic parts for it. Got to drag it out of the corner of the garage. It's been sitting for... 30 years now. 30 years? Yeah. It's sitting right next to the P1800, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So you're going to get those cars running, aren't you? Yeah, eventually. Eventually? Yeah. It's a lot cheaper to have something like that running on the road because it's a little four-cylinder. You can actually drive it without spending a ton on gas. Yeah. Hey, once before, you know what we were talking about doing on the show one time? It was just some little stuff like uh, give us some of the uh, little 
dealies that you got to deal with, like some of your customers coming in, some of the like, uh, okay, uh, you know, tell us about Let's make a deal. Yeah, a customer comes in, yeah. I tell them a job be 150 bucks. comes back a week later. Oh, the guy down the street will do it for 80 Oh, let him do it for 80 Oh, uh, uh. Oh, well, I want you to do it. Oh, well, then it's $150, but he does it for 80 so you get trapped in a loop and you got to get rid of him. And what did he want you to do? I don't remember what the job was. And then the, He wanted you to put used brake pads on, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, use brake, yeah. Can I, I'll get a new, a used master cylinder. No, you just buy a new one. It's $10 more. You don't have to slog down to the junkyard and get stung by wasps. You know, what's worth $10? You know, you know what's <laughs> funny, too, is I think about back in the old days, back when I had to salvage yard and everything like that, you know, people would come in, and right about that time when I was kind of like, uh, you know, winding up pretty good, this other salvage yard, we won't mention any names, but they used to, uh, they, they created basically like a a la carte salvage yard. Right. And they had this menu pricing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that used to just absolutely amaze me is when I looked at their sheet, used brake pads, $2.50, used tie rod ends, Five dollars. Oh, don't forget, there's a core exchange. You gotta have. You gotta pay a core charge. Now think about this. Use brake pads. Use, use brake t- shoes. Use, use tie right. That's no. That's nothing to do with safety. That right? has absolutely nothing to do with safety. Yeah. I was nothing in the part, I was safety. in the parts store a few days ago, and they're trying to match up some wheel cylinders right on a car. Mm-hmm. And the guy working on the car, I, he was there. I go, yeah. Uh, what's the bore size? And it was like I was asking a cow a calculus equation. <laughs> and I, you shouldn't be working on brakes. You can work on the fuel injection because if it don't go, no one's going to get hurt. That's exactly right. Hey, yeah. Lee, you got that all queued up for us? Let's roll with it. Okay. okay. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. <laughs> We're winging it. Yeah. i got to listen to the podcast. Summer 63, I was staying alive Hanging at the races, hoping to drive When they were done with the weekend, loading the car I couldn't get a pass, so I went to the bar Nursing a beer Who should come a laughing Joking in here But Bobby Brown The winner of the sports car race With some friends and a girl
gonna be a thrill to be like that With the beautiful girl and be king of the track But the truth is when all was said and done It was his cobra I wanted The car was the one It was his cobra I wanted The car was the one Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater, Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. One Baker Eleven, ten twenty-eight twenty-nine. As soon as I find out if Eleanor is there, I'll give you a call and you take off. Okay. okay. It's California. Six three five Charles King George. One Baker Eleven. Six three five Charles King George. No one's not in file. One Baker Eleven ten four. That's not it. Uh, what do you think? Uh, think he's our dude? Uh, probably salesman. Let's wait.
There's your salesman. Sounds like you forgot about his alarm system. Could be. He didn't know the car had one on it. Pull it onto the corner. We're running some fan on it. One Baker 11. 102829. California 614. Henry Sam Ocean. Tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time, Alan. It's time to introduce right. our special guest for the evening. Of course, you and I both know this gentleman. We had the opportunity of meeting him a couple of years ago. Actually, right. it's been a while. It's up at uh, Michigan at uh, yeah. one of the Shelby meets, right? Right, Michigan International Speedway. Uh, he's a well-known author and a well-known PR person, and uh, he's got a quite pretty pretty good uh, pretty good background. Anyway, he is also an author. And most notably, wrote a book that was uh, fairly well known among uh, us Ford guys, and it's called Cobra in a Barn. And without further ado, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Tom Cotter to our radio show. Tom, are you there? I'm here, Robert. How the hell are you? Pretty good. <laughs> what did you think of this, the Mark Knopfler song? Did you catch it where he's talking about I Want a Cobra? Oh, I know the song well, and, and it's ironic that you <laughs> uh, played that song today because, you know, as you know, I'm writing a, a book about rock and roll gearheads right now, uh-huh. and uh, Mark Knopfler today said he was not interested in being in the book. Ah, crap. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a real car guy. He's got cool cars. He drives Millamilia events and stuff, and and he just doesn't want to be part of it. So what can I say? <laughs> is, he, is he kind of a low-profile person? You know, I don't know. I, I went through... Uh, his agent, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, I, I never actually talked to him. But um, you know, I'd like to tell him I've got that. I've got a Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. that's all you had to do. Say I got a Cobra, and then and I he has in the one. door. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Alan, Alan, uh, Tom, uh, Hi, you guys Tom. met um, yeah. at, uh, Detroit. at Detroit. Yeah, at the Shelby meet. Go ahead yeah. and tell me how you guys met. Yeah, okay, yeah, I've dragged Tweety over to your car where you signed the hood. Oh, yeah. No, I, no, I've got my yeah. Cobra in the garage and, and all sorts of signatures under that hood. Yeah. Tweedy was one of the first ones. Yes. Yeah, because I took a picture of him signing it. Yeah, yeah. from the bottom yeah. of Tweedy's cage. Isn't that yeah. what Tweedy always signs? Is that what he put on, the, on no, your Tweedy cover? Did uh, oh, Tweedy did no, it. Oh, Tweedy did it. Tweedy did it. Tweedy did it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about some of the other books you wrote. Well, I started out writing a book uh, when I moved to Charlotte 26 years ago. I, I, I was cruising around my new town and and saw this huge brick building behind the airport. And I didn't pay much attention to it. I was like, all right, it's a big, big building. And it, it was on a Sunday morning. I'm cruising around. I saw this big gas tank behind the building, and it said, Holman Moody. I said, oh, man. So really? I slammed on the brakes and, and spent the next hour walking around, peeking the windows, and, and just wondering, boy, if this if this building could talk, what, what story could it tell me? And I started at that point writing up, a biography on uh, the Holman and Moody history, and right around you know not too long after that, I I uh, started my own business, a motorsport public relations and marketing firm, and um, I was not able to you know work on the book because I had a business to run. So it was 17 years from the time I started that book to the time I finished it. Uh, so that was the first book I put out, and and then from there on, you know, it's been a series of mostly 
barn find books, the Cobra in the barn, the Hemi in the barn, the Corvette in the barn, and then a motorcycle book, the Vincent in the barn. Um, and, you know, that's been my passion since I was, you know, since I was like 12 years old or something. I, I still have a 39 Ford Woody I bought when I was 15 from, you know, from a barn on Long Island and then a 53 Ford station wagon I bought when I was 18. So it's just been my passion. And so I wrote these barn find books, and I didn't know if anybody would buy them, but son of a gun, they're selling pretty well. So, and then, I, but my passion really is writing also about biographies, about people. Uh, so I wrote a book about Dean Jeffries, a California customizer, so-called Dean Jeffries, 50 years of uh, hot rods, racing, and movies. And then uh, I wrote another book called uh, Tommy Ivo, Drag Racing's uh, Ultimate Showman. And uh, so that's the most recent book that's out, and I'm working on a couple of other books now. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess I've carved myself a new career. I guess you know I guess I'm now an author. You know, I started as a mechanic 35 years ago, and somehow wound up as an author. And, and believe it or not, I teach at a college. So ha, I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Well, interestingly enough, I had both Tommy Ivo and Dean Jeffries as guests on the radio show here uh, last month. So ah, but, that's funny. Wow. Yeah. Well, they are they are great friends, and I have to tell you that. When when somebody like Dean or Tommy says, "Okay, you can you can do my life story," it's to me it's the most humbling and the most responsible I have to be in my entire life because somebody's giving me their entire life. They're giving me you know seventy five years of life, and they're they're counting on me to to take it take seventy five years of life, put it down on two hundred fifty pages. And do a good job with it, and so it, it's an incredible responsibility. I, I don't take it lightly. I mean, when I write these books, I know what they want to say, and I don't go against it. I don't. I don't try to bring up a lot of controversy or something. You know, this this is their how do I say it? Authorized biography, and I'm not going to screw around with it by bringing in you know lots of controversy and stuff. These guys are heroes in my mind, and they were heroes to me when I was a teenager. Now I'm 57, and I get to meet them and, and probably know them better than anybody on Earth. It's interesting that you said that, too, because that's kind of the way I perceive my radio show. I'm, I'm very partial about this, and I really go out of my way to try to find what I would call really, really quality guests. I mean, you know, legendary people or people that have been significant in the uh, automotive or motorsports uh, industry. And uh, hence, that's why you're here, too, you know, because you've, you've uh, contributed I, quite I a bit. I was going to say, what, what the hell am I doing here? Well, no, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, you, you're, 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 you're very well known, you know, plus you're involved, with, like you said, with Amelia Island, and uh, you've done uh, a lot of PR for motorsports. As a matter of fact, getting back in the PR thing, you actually did some work there for uh, Humpy Wheeler. Is that how you kind of got your start in the PR business? How did that all come about? about? Well, I, I grew up in Long Island, and, you know, I'm, I'm a car guy and a racing guy, and Long Island... Uh, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money. We, you know, and my parents drove Volkswagens, and so it was hard to be a car guy and a racing guy on Long Island. But I finally got a job with a PR agency in New Jersey, and I was like 29 or something. And, uh, and I did that for a couple of years, and, and I guess I did a pretty good job because Humpy Wheeler called me up and said, "I'd like you hired, you know, to be a PR director at at the Speedway." So I moved down to Charlotte in '85, and was a PR director there for four years, and. And it was great. Humpy's a brilliant, demanding, very creative, wonderful human being. And I consider that kind of my master's degree, you know, having learned under Humpy, who's a master PR guy. And so then four years after I started there, I opened an agency called the Car Group, 
and I started with one other person, and we, I didn't have any money. I had, I had a folding card table and one other person, <laughs> and well, I sold it to Clear Channel Communications uh, 13 years later. I had 90 people on staff, and we had divisions all over the country, and it, it was an amazing, amazing time to be involved in NASCAR because, uh, you know, I, I took the elevator up just as NASCAR was expanding, man. It, it was unbelievable. So I got to work with, you know, the biggest names in the sport, you know, uh, at, at the time, I mean, the guy, the guys now, I don't know, you know, like Jeff Gordon's an old timer, but the guys back then, you know, I knew Earnhardt and Waltrip and Yarbrough and Petty and, uh, you know, Tim Richmond and, you know, all those guys I worked with. And, uh, it was an amazing time in stock car racing. It was growing. Now I feel kind of bad for the, you know, the whole industry because it's just kind of, sitting there floundering around right now. Yeah, what exactly is your take on it? I mean, how do you feel about, you know, NASCAR today? And it's not just NASCAR. It's IndyCar, uh, some road race, like out the uh, Grand M Series. Um, they basically standardized the cars. It's, they're not exciting anymore. You know, they all look alike. They all perform alike. And now it's kind of somewhat up to the drivers. And, you know, that's just – then now you just got driver error occasionally that will, uh, you know, let you win or lose a race. I mean, what's your take yeah. on it? Well, I'm, I'm not sure what it would take to solve it, but certainly, you know, Humpy Wheeler not involved in the sport anymore. It's too bad because, you know, that guy was great at, at packing the stands and bringing controversy and coming up with innovations. It's too bad that he's no longer in the sport. But, you know, right now it's like a big IROC series. You're right. The cars are too similar. And I don't know. I mean, they say, you know, have at it, boys. Uh but then, you know, there's, there's fines that are levied on drivers privately, and they can't bring it to the public. And I don't know. It's just it's just not the same deal. And, you know, it, there's all sorts of things going against it. First of all, I think it was the flavor of the month for a long time. And, uh, uh, and that, you know, the, the bloom kind of came off the rose. Uh, I think that the economy certainly hurt because, you know, the television package is so darn good that rather than blow a thousand bucks bringing your family down for a day or a weekend, you can stay at home and, and watch it for nothing. That's and true. So there's a there's a lot of things going against it. I think that there was a lot of people that climbed on the NASCAR bandwagon and then well, they're tired of it. Now they're they're somewhere else. They're in pro tennis or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, now get back to let's go back to you uh, your PR firm. So you sold your PR firm in uh, when the early nineties or something like that, and then you headed out with uh, a very well known. Uh, author himself, and you found this Cobra in San Francisco. Tell us about that story. And then you drove it back from California, right? Yeah, no, that, that was not a barn find. A lot of people think that car was a barn find. I had a couple of Cobras. And oh, really? The first one, I, you know, like, what, I I'm, wanted a I'm Cobra. Envious. You know, <laughs> the, the car was the one. And, you know, just like Monopolis song, and uh, the, um, the carrot that hung in front of me my whole professional career was a Cobra since I'm since I'm fifth grade, okay. and but you know when they were when they were ten thousand dollars, I had five hundred dollars. When when I had ten thousand dollars, they were a hundred thousand dollars, and so it, the carrot just kept on getting further and further away from me to reach it. But when I sold my business, oh my God! Suddenly I had the money to pursue a Cobra, and I told my wife it's Cobra time. And <laughs> I, I, it's I, Cobra you know, time. And, and I, I knew exactly the car I wanted. I, mean, I didn't know the number or the serial number, but it had to be, you know, no hood scoop, no side pipes, no headers, no Weber's, 
no no fender flares, no uh, you know Halibrand wheels. I wanted a plain Jane Cobra with painted wire wheels, and I wanted a true sports car the way they came off the showroom floor. And I found one out in San Francisco, and uh, I bought it. You know, I told the guy, "Okay, I'm going to take it." I was out there, and uh, and he says, "So when are you going to have it picked up?" Because I live on the East Coast, and I said, "I'm not going to have it picked up." I'd like to come back in a couple months when the weather's nice and drive it home. You're crazy. So I I flew out there with a buddy of mine, Peter Regan, from Road Track Magazine, and we climbed in a car in Walnut Creek, California, and nine days later pulled into my driveway, and it was really a trip of a lifetime. It was all two-lane roads. We we stayed in old hotels. We ate in old restaurants, and we, we tried to live kind of the Route 66 experience. We didn't have any hurry. You know, we do... Three four hundred miles a day, and we'd, we'd go north and we'd go south, and you know we'd stop and see the big, you know, hairball in Kansas and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we had a good time. And 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 if you you know any of your listeners can go to roadandtrack.com dot com and put in cross country Cobra and read the story because Peter did a heck of a heck of a job writing about our adventure. I told Peter. It's a two-seater car, but I want to take a million people along for the ride, and he did the job, man. Alan, you were going to go say, comment on that? Alan, well, see, Alan, yeah. now, he, you, you, you're up in Wisconsin a while, but isn't Peter Egan from Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, outside of Madison, which, of course, Tom knows. But anyway, yeah, oh, I stopped yeah. by Chris's shop back when he still owned it, and I walked into Chris's shop, walked in the office, and said, can we help you? You know, foreign car specialist, you know. Yep. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm a road and track reader. And I said, okay, Chris will be back in a while. He's having lunch. So I just hang out for a while. He shows up, and um, we walk around. He talk, we talk about cars and stuff like that, and uh, we, go in the, uh, back, we go in the garage, all the different cars from all of Peter Egan's articles. Bruce Livermore's yeah. mirror is sitting there. He's got a rusty old Volvo 1800, and just old one, uh, got a laid-down windshield, 100. Oh, 100 Healy. Yeah, Healy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was there for like a couple hours, and he had time for people to talk, you know, and so... Well, now, yeah. what's the deal on the, the bug eye? Did he have a bug eye, too? No, no, no. That was Egan. <laughs> Peter Egan. Well, well, now you're laughing there. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, here's one, because um, I, I, I like reading Peter Egan. The first time I read him was the days of the late straight eight, whatever, when him and his buddy, Pat Donnelly, did the uh, 53 Buick race car, right? You know, you've read that one, of course, I'm sure. Oh, Me? yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, so, well, then, he's, then I read, I'm reading the magazine. You read about his bug eyes. Well, I bought a bug eye in 73 it's a 1960 and um it's going to come out this winter i still own it you know so down down here you get the car out that doesn't have the ac in the winter time you know and it's just the opposite up north where you let the car sit all winter you know right but yeah i've had my bug eyes since 73 so it's time to bring it out yeah time to bring it out and it's like rust free car it looks the same when i bring it out again the neighbors will see the same car from 30 years ago with the same paint on it the same burn on the hood because it's British Jeez. wiring. It had a little fire at one time. Yeah, I love bug eye. I, I raced this weekend up at the VIR, oh, yeah. and uh, there, were, there were a bunch of bug eyes there. And, in fact, you know, somebody lives near you, Brenda Johnson. Yeah, Brian the, Johnson's, Brian Johnson's uh, wife. wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, their cars are prepared by Predator Racing, mm-hmm. and uh, he, she's going to sell her bug eye. So, you know, if somebody out there is looking for a bug eye with a 1275 race car, uh, that one's for sale. Yeah, she just recently acquired a nine fourteen six, didn't she? The orange one. Yes, she has. Yeah, it, it was a Bob Snodgrass. Yeah, uh, well, Bruno's you know, car. It wasn't built in Stuttgart. It was built in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a Bruno special. Know, I, I've got a very diverse, you know, interesting cars. I, you know, I've made my living in NASCAR for twenty five years, but 
I was never a real NASCAR fan. I'm more of a sports car, road racing, antique car guy. And, you know, in my garage now, I mean, I've got everything from a, uh, I got a 1960 Volkswagen convertible with a supercharger on it, a couple of Woody wagons, uh, uh, Cobra. Uh, I got four Shelby Mustangs. But, you know, oh, really? and, you know a, a Mini Cooper, a more, two Morris Miners. Uh, I just sold a, 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 a uh, not a Zaccato, an Abarth. Uh, I got a, a big Healy. But, you know, the car that's really got my attention now, and it's like one that I've desired my whole life, and I found it in Greenville, South Carolina, where it had been sitting in, since 1955 is a Cunningham C3 Coupe. Oh, and, you hear that, George? George, yeah, one of our listeners is a big Cunningham guy. Yeah, he's, he owned a couple, and he knew of a lot of them. Oh, I think he's I know. from Long Island. And he's from Long Island. Yeah. Well, and, and so, interestingly, this car was purchased by a guy named Grady Miller. He got married in 1955. His wedding, you know, he had his honeymoon in Clearwater, Florida. He no walked kids. out of the well, hotel room that morning, the next morning, and in the gas station across the street, 1955, was a, a black and red, Cunningham C3 Coupe, and he said to his wife, I gotta own that car, and he bought it, drove it home, and it sat in Greenville until I bought it this December. No huh. kidding. You believe that? What's the serial number? It's got a 331 Hemi with a three-speed Cadillac. Uh, I took it around uh, Moroso, or I guess Palm Beach International Raceway. Uh, it had been sitting since 59, never driven, flat spotted tires. I had it up to 80 miles an hour. <laughs> on, the, on dry rotted tires. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tom, t- um, how much how much vintage racing do you do? Did you were you up at the sha- the sack meet uh, a couple three three four weeks ago at the VRI for yeah. the Shelby meet? Yeah, I was. But interestingly, you know, I'm a Ford guy. Ford That's good. Guy, Ford guy. Ford guy. Absolutely. Uh, Ford. Ford all the way. But, you got it. But, you got it. <laughs> but I, I vintage raced a Corvette. You vintage um, raced a Corvette. I you know like Cobra race cars are so expensive, and even in, even GT three fifties are so expensive. And I found a just a wonderful sixty four fuel-injected Roadster Stingray that uh, had been a race car since new, and I bought it out in California, and uh, I'm having a ball with that car. You know, it's uh, it's it's not heavily modified. It's got about 400 horsepower. It's got standard rocker arms. It has uh, a fuel injection, which is not the hot ticket these days, but it looks perfect. And this weekend at VIR, people came over to me and said, this is the way a vintage Corvette should look. You know, the colors, you know, it's clean bodywork, no flares. It's got... It's got uh, torque thrust wheels on it. Okay. It's just, yeah. and I had the hoods open in a fuel injection unit. It just looks so great. So, you know, I'm a Ford guy, but boy, I love racing this Corvette. You know, it's funny. I work for a, a classic car dealer here in town, and we we have an, quite an assortment of cars. But lately, we've been getting quite a few mid years in, and I've never really been a big Corvette fan. But I have to empathize with you on that one, or sympath, <laughs> or whatever. Just go along with you that the mid year Corvettes is really. I can see the That's the epitome. The, allure, the well, I can see the allure for a mid year Corvette. They ride, they handle well, even though. Uh, a C2, or C, I guess it's considered a C2. The mid-year Corvettes plus the C3s pretty much all share the same frame, the wheelbase and everything like that. But when you're in a mid-year, it just has a completely different... It has a right. sports car feel to it, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, the guys coming up to me in the paddock this week at VIR, and, and even when I ran at Monterey, I ran at Monterey a few years for the historic races. It, for a guy my age, you know, mid-50s, early-60s, this is the car that we all aspire to own. Yep. You know, we saw it in, in Motor Trend and Sports Car Graphic and stuff. And, and and they come over to it and say, this is the car, you know. So I wish it was a Cobra, 
but it was a heck of a lot less money than a Cobra, and, and it's easier to repair and it's less valuable. So uh, how many times do I race a year? I'm going to race at Lime Rock, Connecticut, on Labor Day. I'll race the, the VIR Gold Cup races in uh, November, and that'll probably be it for the year. So maybe three times, four times a year, something like that. Okay. Are you going out to uh, Pebble Beach uh, next month? No. Uh, I've gotten that. You know, I've done it enough, and if I don't have to go, it's so expensive and so, uh, not confusing, but it's time-consuming. Like, okay, you go from the racetrack to Pebble Beach, or you go to the auction, or go here or there. You sit in the car an hour, and there's traffic jams. And, and if you go to some diner, restaurant for dinner, you know, it's a two-hour wait, and the hotel rooms are 500 bucks a night. It's, you know, if I don't have to go out there, I'd rather just go to a small event and, and really have a good time. Now, you're involved with Amelia Island with um, uh, Bill Warner and those guys. Well, what? yeah, you know, because I, I've really recently backed off from a lot of that because, you know, I just I live six hours away. and You know, I've, I've worked there for, for about eight years. Uh, judging, and I was co-chairman for a while, but I just found out that, you know, being this far away doesn't allow me to be involved the way I'd like to, and it's not fair to Bill. Mm-hmm. So I, I've really backed away a lot. I said, Bill, you need to get somebody that's local. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I love the event. I, to me, it's the best car event in the world, period. Oh, yeah. it's uh, compared to Compare it to Pebble Beach now. It's really, I mean, it, the nice, the thing I like about it, it's condensed all in one location. It's much easier to get around. Everything's right there. The auctions are real close. The only thing I wish it had, and I mentioned this to Bill, that was I wish it had a vintage race deal. And, yeah, um, well, he, does, he does, too. He, he wishes there was a track, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, the, the, the thing about, you know, Pebble Beach, it attracts all the high rollers, and they walk around with blue blazers on and, and they're car enthusiasts for one day, and the next day they're into polo or something. But, <laughs> you know, Amelia Island is, is, is wall-to-wall with car freaks, and mm-hmm. they're walking around laughing and having a good time because this is like utopia. So, you know, Pebble Beach is one thing, and, 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 and it's good, and, and Amelia Island's another thing, and that's good, too. So what else does Tom Cotter do? Tell us some of the other. Tell us some more lies, tales, and stories. What else you got going on? Because I know you're. Well, I mean, you write, write books. You got to be great. Book. And if any of your listeners have any cool bike in the barn stories, this will be called the Harley in the Barn. Okay. Because interestingly, the Vince in the Barn, what I wrote a couple of years ago, was like, is like the best-selling book I've done so far. So there's a big untapped market for bike stories. So if anybody's got a, uh, you know, any bike stories. Uh, they you can send them to, to me at my my email is Tom Cotter T O M C O T T E R at C S X C S and Charlie S S and Sam X S and X Ray two four nine zero dot com and and for those of you who don't know what C S X twenty four ninety is <laughs> that's do. the Cobra chassis number and that's the Cobra that I have in my garage the serial number you uh, <laughs> and I'm writing this book called uh, Rock and Rollers and it's uh, as opposed to Brian Johnson's book which is Rolling Rockers. Uh, uh, Brian Johnson's wrote an autobiography uh, about his cars and his musical life, but I, I'm writing a book about rock and roll musicians who are also gearheads. So I've, you know, just spent time with Billy Joel and his motorcycle collection, and I've spent time with Brian Johnson at the racetrack and at his house. Spent time with Jay Giles. I'm getting ready to go to England to spend time with Nick Mason from Pink Floyd. Uh, I hope to get to see, you know, Bruce Springsteen and. Uh, but, the, you know, now with Clarence Clemens passed away, you know, I, I hope he has time to see me. So I'm co-writing this book with uh, uh, Ken Gross, a really well-known writer okay, and author. Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then we have a great photographer, Michael 
Alan Roth, who is a award-winning photographer. And you know, when this book comes out a year from this September, uh, everybody should get it because it's going to be killer, man. Okay. And it's going to show another side of you know that musicians have have more depth and character to their lives than just throwing a guitar and singing. They they are deeply involved in other things, and I'm bringing out one of those other things, which is motorcycles and, and automobiles. Let me ask you a question. When you take a story, let's say like uh, Cobra in the Barn, or let's say you take Corvette in the Barn, or Vincent in the Barn, for example, you know, th- how do you take that and 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 make that a a very long, interesting read? You know, I've often wondered that because I'm thinking, well, gee whiz, I've done a lot of barn finds. I was doing that years ago when I was a kid. That's you know, just like you did when you were in Long Island. I did it because right. I come from Northern California, and you'd always hear about that kind of stuff, but you never thought about it when you're a kid. You think about it later, and then you look back in retrospect, and you go, oh wow, yeah, I remember those days when that was that old SCCA racer was sitting in this guy's yard, and that old Helio, or that old Jag, or that old Mustang, or whatever it was, or Camaro Corvette. And uh, but but you know, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's just like a little short thing. But how do you? Take that and really make that a really cool, interesting, long story. What all do you add to it? Uh-oh. I guess we lost our guest here. Uh-oh. Somehow. Yeah. All right, Lee's going to try to get it back. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Alan, yeah. your turn. You're talking Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, talking about Alan, lost cars and stuff. <laughs> My bug eye, which Tom's probably got his computer on anyway. The bug eye was a barn find in Clearwater. Since you don't have barns in Clearwater, it's a warehouse find. And the funny thing about the bug eye... I had it out, and Denny caught 30 years ago said, I used to have one of those, and he's a friend of people I know. Anyway, my car was his old car, and my friend's mom used to ride around in the car when they were much younger, back in like the late 60s, early 70s in this car, which I own now. Which is, And then when I get it going again, she's going to go for a ride in it. She hasn't been hey, in the I'm car back, for guys. years. Okay, oh, how you back. doing, Dom? Anyway, we filled well, in for I, I, don't, I don't know what happened, but <laughs> yeah. you know, how do I make it a long, interesting story? Yeah, tell me. Um, tell us. Yeah. Tell the listeners. Yeah, more interesting than mine about the bug guy. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I could take your... First of all, I teach public relations at a college nearby, and I tell them, the students, everybody's got an interesting story. Every human being on the face of the earth has some interesting story. And, and I just happen to write the story about their relationship with their cars. So... They are human interest stories, and cars are the catalyst to bring those stories together. So, you know, the book is not about one car. It's not about a Cobra or a, or a Corvette. It's, there's like 40 stories in there. So each story, you know, is about a 1,000 words. Some are 800, some are 1,800. But it averages out to 65,000 words with, with uh, photos and captions. And, uh, you know, you just write it. The biggest compliment I get is when a wife... I see a wife at a show somewhere, and she'll say, I bought my husband the book, and he couldn't put it down, so I picked it up, and I read it cover to cover, and I couldn't put it down. I don't write it towards real technical people. I write it so that anybody can can appreciate it and, and enjoy it. You know, So you don't have to know gear ratios, compression ratios, and you don't even have to know what a camshaft is. But you just have to be willing to kind of read about, you might be a Fiat fan or a Ferrari fan, well, just... Be willing to read about a Ford Falcon that might have an interesting story. Just forget about what car it is. And, and people seem to really dig it. So, you know, it, it's the biggest compliment to me when I go to Barnes & Noble and, you know, Denver, Colorado or something. There's my books on the shelf. Like, wow, people are really reading this stuff. <laughs> no, really, that's great. The uh, the uh, um, this college that you teach at, where, that's up there in North Carolina, too? It is. It's, it's in Belmont, which is uh, just south of Charlotte, and it's a... Uh, a very small uh, Catholic college run by monks, and they have a and, and that's actually where Humpy Wheeler went. Really? And Humpy Humpy's on the board there, 
and uh, they started this motorsport marketing program there uh, several years ago, and, and they just asked me if I'd be the, the teacher. So this is a the only motorsport marketing program in the United States at a, at a, a four-year college. It's part of the business school, and they teach public relations, sports, you know, motorsport marketing, specifically for motorsports. They teach about team management, track management. Uh, it, it's really, you know, so it's not technical. It's all about... It's all about uh, kind of the, the white-collar side of, of racing, sponsorship, uh, you know, searching for sponsors and stuff, and it's all taught to juniors and seniors. It's, it's really cool. So I teach the PR side of it, and I never thought about teaching, and I really love it. And they're all, they move from around the United States, and in some cases from around the world. Some of these are from Australia. This girl just moved up from Jamaica, uh, and, and they just are, like, just sucking this knowledge up. It's so terrific to see. Well, the best thing about it is since you've got all that practical experience, you can just convey that to all those students. Who wrote the curriculum yeah. for it? Did you have any involvement in that? You know, putting the well, curriculum? Well, yeah. I mean, I've been part of the board there since since this program started. Okay. Now, Humpy really started it. You know, Humpy is a guy that went to the, the, the uh, dean of the school and said, you know, I have an idea that we can make this school one of those popular, you know, colleges in the country for young people. And, boy, it sure happened. So the, like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal have done stories about, you know, there was a story, the headline of it, the Wall Street Journal was, Grease Monks. Grease Monks. <laughs> Grease Monks. Instead okay. of Grease Monkeys, they were monks. And they were, you know, these guys go to the racetrack with their robes on. And they are cool guys, man. So it's it, it really is a thrill to be part of a, kind of this pioneer program like that. Wow. Now, you're, uh, one more thing here. You got uh, you finally are you're kind of realizing a dream of yours too. You're actually working on what a thirty two high boy Ford, high boy Ford, right? I said that right this time, didn't I? Close enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been building it in my head since I was uh, probably fourteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been collecting parts for at least ten or twelve years, and now it's going together. I've got everything. I've got everything. The chassis all boxed and new car. It's a thirty two Ford frame. I bought a Brookville steel body. Uh, I was going to originally put a flathead in it, but I've changed, and I'm going to make it like a 32 Ford Cobra. It's going to have a Hypo 289 with a four-speed yes. T10 gearbox <laughs> and Halibrand, uh kidney bean wheels, uh, and I'm going to put like Cobra taillights and Cobra steering wheel and Cobra gauges and Cobra pedals in it and a little Powered by Ford emblem on the side. and uh, So it should be pretty cool. So I'm working on that now. I got a quick change for it. I just had it polished. So I'm going to try to get that up on wheels this summer. Did that car start so, uh, out as a barn find? Is it a barn find? No, it was, it's a flea market find. Flea I, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that engine. I'll take that transmission. I've just been buying parts at Charlotte Auto Fair for the last 10 years or so. Huh. So what else do you do? Are you into bikes at all, motorcycles? Since well, you wrote the book have, on the Vincent. I have one motorcycle, but I have to tell you that I, now that I, you know, I write these bike books, I'm really getting into it. I'd like to get myself a uh, maybe a Triumph Bonneville. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Uh, and, and I'd like to, my son's going to graduate from college in a couple of years, and thinking about getting a couple of BMW, you know, that Dakar kind of model, and, and make a lap in the United States with him, something like that. Well, speaking of BMWs, I can actually turn you on to a warehouse find BMW about <laughs> mid-50s. No kidding, I was in it, because I get in and out of shops every once in a while, and there is one floating around. Now, you're also in the Woodies, too, right? I think we got about a minute left. What do we got, Lee, a minute left? So you gotta, Just give, you, me another, give me another hour, and I'll keep you entertained. Right? Okay, well, that's good. Uh, well, anyway. uh, I have a 39 Ford Woody I bought when I was 15, and uh, I sold it when I was 19 for college. And then uh, my wife found it when I was 45. It was down in Puerto Rico. We bought it back again, and 
Uh, now it's, you know, it's, you know. Back home, Restore huh? or hot rod. So I, it's all modern, fuel injected. It's got okay. power steering and air conditioning, all that good stuff. Hey, Tom, and we got to go. I want to thank you for coming on the air, and we'll get you on again, and we'll definitely stay in touch. Alan wants okay. to say goodbye, too. Okay, goodbye, Tom. Good talking to you. And, thank uh, you. Thanks, and thanks okay. for coming on, and we'll definitely be in touch, and I'll call you after the show here. i got a couple questions for you. Anybody else, stay tuned to Nostalgic Radio Cars next week. Take care. Drive all carefully. Right. See you. Bye, Tom. Bye. We chased our pleasures here.